0: the new african broadcast speaks to the free thinking movement that we see emerging in the minds of the day's black youth of america African youths must be re-educated to the scientific reasoning found in natural law if this movement is to reach its full potential. Inshallah, the African American will break free of non-scientific and tribal thinking paradigms that fail to counter immoral behavior as well as limit solid economic progress in African American communities. I Salam alaikum The following broadcast... Is part five out of Africa science origins of man and systems of knowledge recorded on January 3rd 2017 over hundreds of thousands of years Allah the creator has been slowly charging the human soul and churning the human mind to incite and compel man to evolve and grow to a high level of intelligence. High intelligence and spiritual enlightenment leads man to freedom. Man's destiny is to have one unified focus of what is the best situation for the individual, that all men Black men, white men, brown men, yellow men, red men, any man, all were created to be free, to evolve and inspire with the same inalienable rights, equal respect for each other, equal justice, and the same privileges. It doesn't matter what ethnic backgrounds that you came from around the world. This is the destiny of man. And you, the black man in North America, the rejected one, the former slave, a people that other nations despise, the one that everyone concluded had been spiritually destroyed so bad that as a people you can never be made whole again. But you have been made whole again, Allahu Akbar, and have been chosen to lead the final charge towards freedom Justice and equality for all people of the earth. You see how big this picture is? So get up off your ass and accept the responsibility that has been given to you. Talking about it's too hard. The world's got its foot on me. I can't make it. The struggle is real. You made it for over 400 years, didn't you? You made it this far. The finish line is right there. Can't you see it? Stop crying, stop whining, and keep running. You got many African Americans in their ignorance and foolish self pity that don't want to be connected to the continent of Africa. Many so called black Americans who were born after the year 1975, are really ashamed of being called African. In no way do they want to be associated with the name African American. They want to believe that the term African American is some recent naming by the shadow powers that influence government to keep the black man misdirected about who they really are. They're not even aware that the name African-American was being used by Africans in America during the early years of the United States. Read the published document on the capture of Lord Cornwallis, and you will see the term African-American was being used by the Africans in America as early as 1782. In the past, slave flunkies, Uncle Toms, frightened blacks, and institutions of higher learning started by educated African Americans all stayed clear of associating themselves with the word African for fear of the white man's retaliation and the shame of being connected with the perceived ignorant backwards pictures of the continent of Africa. Instead, in our ignorance, we accepted to be called Negro by the slave owners and post-slavery Jim Crow laws. In the early 1900s, African leadership under the NAACP accepted the derogatory term Negro as an official identity and continued to reject the word African. The only socially upward use of the term black was used by the Nation of Islam, under the leadership of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and even then, the term black was softened for acceptance by calling us the Asiatic black man. By connecting us with Asia, this psychologically took some of the stain from being called just black and gave us a sense of self-worth and dignity by implying that in some kind of way, We were related to the great historical empires of China, Japan, and India. It wasn't until the middle 50s and the early 60s that the word black was independently used and became associated with the social and political efforts of many of the African American organizations that were pressing this country for equal rights and treatment under the laws of America. The word black now became associated with personal human self-worth being popularized by entertainers like James Brown and the Impressions. The word black took on a new meaning of self-pride and human empowerment, becoming acceptable by the African-American community in the late 60s and early 70s. The term African-American made a resurgence in the late 80s and since that time has become more of an accepted identity by the so-called black man in America as he gains more knowledge of Africa's history and her impact on the development of world societies. Institutionalized racism in America and around the world has indoctrinated the so-called black man with the shame of being identified as an African-American. Black Americans have been fed a constant stream of pictures from Africa that shows the destruction of life and property. Young black kids have seen documentaries about Africa. You've seen the movies, TV, YouTube, Facebook, the internet, little babies and children walking around with big bellies from starvation, malnutrition, wars. Famine, disease, bugs and flies all around bone thin children, the plight of death, the AIDS scare, all of these events through controlled media have made many young black people ashamed to be associated with anything from the continent of Africa. As a people, Many of us try to grasp hold onto any identity that we can because we feel like we are drowning in shame and humiliation of looking like people from the continent of Africa. We will find any excuse to disassociate ourselves from our African ancestry. Man, Africans don't even look like us. Them Africans... They think they're better than us. Besides, I'm a Hebrew, an Israelite, from Ethiopia. And the fool don't even know that Ethiopia is in East Africa. Africa is not a country. Africa is a continent of many countries. Others go as far to suggest that their bloodline was already here before the European came to North America. I was born in America. I ain't no African. Yeah, brother, we the real indigenous people of North America, not the Indians you see in the textbooks. The original Indians were dark-skinned people. Don't you know? Look at this picture right here, brother. He didn't got some doctored picture that he downloaded off the Internet making it look like the Indians, all the Indians were black people. We know there were some dark-skinned Indians because they intermingled and married runaway African slaves. See that Indian in me? Yeah, that's what they be saying. Don't I look any little Indian to you? Fool, you don't look anything like Native Americans, the so-called Indians. Many of these people I'm talking about just... Let's take a look at them, about as dark as the darkest African from the land of Mozambique. Big nose with wide nostrils, full round face, big lips, woolly hair, and dark as the night. Talking about he's indigenous to the Americas. Isn't this just pitiful? Ashamed of his true identity. His true natural self. As I suggested earlier, why don't you just go get a wide DNA and mtDNA DNA analysis done? You don't have to try to convince me. You really need to convince yourself. Why don't you do this? That will settle the dispute. Why am I investing so much time to this subject? It is because I believe that once people understand that modern-day man comes from one original group of the same people, that these incorrect understanding of the varying differences in ethnic man that we witness today will become irrelevant. Much of this incorrect understanding in Europe and the Americas can be traced back to misinterpretations and corruptions of many of today's religious scriptures. The so-called white people don't have to publicly say, I'm European-American. They already have that understanding among themselves. The white man ain't trying to prove his ancestry to you. They know their bloodlines are from Europe. When they do talk about their motherland's, Their language is more specific, Irish-American, German-American, Italian-American, Anglo-Saxon-American, Polish-American, and so on and so on. However, they teach their children from early age to identify as white in the public because from their religious scriptures, this gives them a sense of superiority over the other ethnic groups on the planet. In fact, they believe that God has white skin like theirs. They believe that they are God's chosen people by divine manifestation. They are to be the caretakers, the gatekeepers, to rule and run the earth until Jesus comes back to sit on the throne of New Jerusalem. Then all the people including the Jews, will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This idea of a white God, a white Jesus, is very important to the European white man, and this is the interpretation that they have gotten from their religious books and religious teachers. So they prefer to use the word white to identify with, even more so they encourage everyone else to identify themselves by colors as well, particularly African people. It was the white Europeans that first called you black, not any African or African-American. The Spaniards called you Negro, and the term took on life with all the other Europeans. Negro means black in Spanish. The truth is, any man of common intelligence should have enough sense to realize that the white man's skin color is not white and that the black man's skin color is not black and that using skin color to identify with common humanity is ignorant. Since slavery stripped us of the knowledge of our individual homelands in Africa, the best we can do is to say we are African Americans. However, with increasing genetic testing of broad groups of different ethnic and cultural groups in Africa, we may soon be able to determine with close proximity where many of our original homelands were on the continent of Africa. The integrationist black leadership and the guilt written white academic leaders of the 60s thought by busing black and white children to the same schools under the banner of Christianity that over time this would erase the country's racial indifference. It never dawned on them that America's racial problems did not stem from a lack of love for our fellow man, but rather was a product of the lack of education in the science of natural law and also the presence of myth in education. They refused to teach the science of natural law way back in the late 60s and early 70s to address racial ignorance and racial indifference. Scientific discoveries and advancements in the 50s and early 60s clearly disproved concepts of racial superiority among the various groups of men. However, the academic and political leadership of America during this time feared that this type of educational approach would over time change the sequential patterns of how young people think and reason. And thus, the religious myths that are ingrained in the learning institutional systems of America would gradually be eliminated by the influence of the younger generations to come. They feared that evolutionary concepts of science and not the creationist beliefs would eventually come to influence the Christian church and dominate in the general society. Rather than doing what was needed to eradicate racial indifference, the leaders of education and politics took the obscure path, banking all of their hope on the concept of love your fellow man, ultimately believing that this would solve the race problem. So the religious leadership of that day and time sacrificed social and moral stability to satisfy their own personal blind religious interest. Pity they could not foresee the coming blast, the day of reconciliation of mankind. Even during the late 60s and early 70s, the world was already changing. The emergence of new technology, making the world becoming increasingly cosmopolitan in nature. The 70s and the 80s was a critical time in history where the educational and political leadership of America should have redesigned public education based on the science of natural law. This was a necessity if America was going to continue to be the world leader in science, new technology, and spokesperson for the world freedom concern. But the Eurocentric social and religious leadership in America did not want their religious and social values phased out in the educational systems at the expense of science proper. So they worked furiously, to prevent the science of natural law from coming into the hallways of the public education system. They dug in as if they were at war, got themselves elected on city and state school boards around the nation so that they could behind the scenes prevent the type of books and resources that would help redirect the intellect and thinking of the young American children and end racism once and for all. The political groups and corporate establishments also need to shelter some of the blame that underlies this shameful human neglect for social and economic justice reforms in the American educational system. Such political and industrial groups work diligently behind the scenes to influence federal and local governments to allocate funding for low-income housing districts, food stamps, and other welfare-type programs as reconciliation efforts to the African-American people for their suffering from Chattel bondage, pain, and death during slavery, reconstruction, and Jim Crow days. The plan was to sabotage an emerging African-American youth who had not yet came to understand what the meaning of the American dream was. Such programs were used to pacify young African-American youth with easy money and free government assistance. As a sidebar, government did allocate scholarships, grants, and loans to an emerging generation of young African-Americans in the late 60s and early 70s to further their education beyond high school. However, government and the African-American leadership of that day did not aggressively emphasize to the newly liberated youth of the African-American communities the need to pursue a college education and not be satisfied with just graduating from high school. As for the fate of the African-American, sadly, the majority of our people during the late 60s to the middle 80s opted out for the government cheese, government milk, food stamps, low-income housing, and AFDC, rather than put in the efforts to pursue education in higher disciplines of learning. Fast forward 50 years to the year 2020, and you have a community of people who largely look for the next government assistance, handout, or hookup program as a means of making it with no real focus on business creation, crime-free communities, and self-help social reforms. The end result is what you are witnessing today, a people who are overall not very skilled in technology and are essentially consumers. the religious and political leadership failed the future generations of the American people. Now look at what has happened because of their selfish and vain desires. State-sponsored education is in shambles. Drugs, crime, and death plagues our schools every day and students today are underachieving. I'm not just talking about black students But all students are mostly failing. White students, Mexicans, Asians, they're all failing. They come to college and can't even boil water. The scientists of nation building never told the American educational system that at the end of the day, the mountains always sit above the waters. In the end, and I guess with justice so fitting, the Christian-dominated educational system of the 50s, 60s, and 70s never imagined the coming of the information age. Technology. A technology that has done what education refused to do, and that is this. Bring to people all over the world scientific education that refutes ideas of racial superiority and artificial nationalism. The blowback from their negligence of the past is that today Eurocentric religious ideas have almost no influence on the minds of young students in the American educational system and the leaders in education are powerless to intervene or to misdirect this new way of thinking spreading across the globe by young minds that are more interested in human concerns versus material and geographical accumulation. Nevertheless, many today in government and education are still desperately trying to preserve the subtle racial teachings of white superiority that resulted from the biblical misinterpretations of of the past that have stalled social progress in America. Despite what I have said, I would argue that the American government has repented from her evil ways of slavery, Jim Crow, and the injustice of segregation laws to the African American people. We have the right to vote, We have the right to address our grievances by protest. We have the right to travel as we may from city to city or state to state. We have the right to live where we choose to do so. We have the right to go to any public school. We can go into any commercial facility, the beaches, places of entertainment. We have the right to run for public office and we have the right to seek justice in the highest courts In the land. These are all the same rights that whites have or any other U.S. citizen. The fact that some whites today may not like us or care to be friends with an African American does not abrogate these rights. These are rights protected by the laws of the United States government. State sponsored segregation and Jim Crow laws. Have been abolished. I believe that's why God, the Creator, has allowed America to continue to strive as a sovereign nation and not be destroyed by outside forces. But America's repentance by the government has not necessarily extended down completely to many of its white citizens. The white citizens were forced by the gun to accommodate the black man. Our government forced business to end segregation laws, made whites go to school with blacks by forced busing, and set in motion housing laws that would allow blacks to move into white neighborhoods. Integration wasn't done willingly. It was done by the gun and left many whites feeling helpless and angry. Why do you think many white people today don't like big government? There was no sincere repentance by many of the white citizens of America. And you know why? Because many white Americans think that slavery was the divine will of God. That had it not been for slavery the black man in Africa would never have come to know Jesus and the Christian faith. Somehow, white religious teachers have forgotten that Christianity was being practiced in Africa as early as 200 A.D., long before Columbus sailed the seas. Now, what kind of pathetic and immoral excuse is this, huh? Now can't you see what has happened to the United States of America society? If you put out hate, vile behavior, human cruelty, sickness, terrorism, and death on a helpless people, God the creator in time is going to cause this very same thing that issued out from your hand to back up in your own community of people. This is the justice of God. See, when you wrong a man, like America did the black man, you have got to make things right. And your repentance must be with sincerity. Making things right doesn't necessarily mean giving the man some money, and hoping he will go sit down and shut up. Now that's not making things right. Making things right means you go and correct the wrongs that came from your hand. You have to change the racism embedded into the fabric of many of America's institutions. Her educational systems, financial systems, housing, health care, all institutions. But the first thing you have to do is say, I'm sorry, I did you wrong. I know as a people, we had these warped ideas about race and black people in general, and this was wrong. I promise I will never be a party to this kind of inhumane treatment of any people and will strive to fight against anyone who attempts to do so. That's how you repent. The white population in general has never said, I'm sorry for what we did. Don't you know how quickly racism could be diminished in America if every white person who met a black person said, I'm so sorry what we did, what my parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents did to you as a people? But I promise to do my part to make sure this will never happen again to you and anybody else. So yes, this is a lingering problem in the European-American populace. Nevertheless, in spite of the old stubbornness of an ever-aging white populace, the hand of God is inspiring a new movement, Of young white adults to reject white supremacy and artificial nationalism we see a new mind a new soul emerging out of the young informed educated white youth of America not like their predecessor generations but a new more vocal group of young European Americans outspoken Challenging the institutionalized status quo, even willing to take to the streets and risk their own lives in the name of freedom, justice, and equality. Sure, there are some young white Americans still trying to echo the old cliche of racial hatred, racial superiority, and bigotry that they learn from their parents and grandparents, They work desperately trying to propagandize a message of hate to suggest to the world that their number is many. But their number is not many. Their voice doesn't represent the many. They are just a small sore that is taking a little longer to heal than normal. Their day has come and gone. There's a new day coming in. This is the day of the cosmopolitan man. You have been listening to the New African Broadcast, a media program dedicated to the consciousness and the positive moral growth of the black youth of America. Thank you for giving us your attention and tune in to our next broadcast. Asalaamu Alaikum.